Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Strevens. Let's jump straight into it. Well, he was a good lad. Yeah, I mean, a really nice guy and he's got a really good heart he really does want to bring the best out in people yeah and uh, it's funny uh, we were saying very considered mm. you know uh, we know joe and he, you know he's always sort of uh whoa, yeah whoa, yeah life is all yeah and uh, but he was super considered uh, obviously a good thinker you know a great thinker about what's what he's done and what's going on mm. was, i thought it was fantastic but also great insights in terms of where the profession's heading, the things that are, are interesting to young dentists, mm. the things that bother young dentists, and how that could shape the future of the profession, but also people who deliver services into yeah, the definitely. profession. I think it's one of those great ones from, from listening to him. You know, the time that he gave for free for the charity, but also the fact of um, he's sort of on the ground floor because he's got the, the thoughts of these guys coming mm. up. You know, it's a bit like the lady from the BDA Benevolent Fund, yeah. which we learned so much from as well. Yeah, and I think his um this new concept for the um the dental debate, uh, people will be should be really interested yeah. in hearing about that, and there's still time to book for that yeah. as well, which would be great to take part. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. So, welcome to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast, and today we are so pleased because Joe Lovett is joining us, and Joe is the founder of Catalyst Sales and Marketing. He's also the founder of Fast Track Your Future, which is a charitable-driven initiative that he kicked off during lockdown, and we'll find out about that because it's a it's a great initiative. It's a really generous thing that, that Joe does. He is an incredible networker. He's among the best. He's incredible. He knows everybody, and he is everywhere, and he's an all-round top bloke. Welcome, oh, Joe. How are you doing? Hey. Oh, thanks for that lovely introduction. I appreciate the fact you've done some research as well. <laughs> well, it would be rude of us not to. Yeah. Rude of us not to. Nice That's to see you both this afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> Absolutely. Good, good to, to see, see you. you. Good sir. to see you. Um, your youthful looks, they belie the fact that you've been in dentistry for over 14 years. So before we get into how you carved out a, a career in dentistry, um, online you post a lot of pictures about your family. You're obviously very much a, a family-driven man. So what was your childhood like? What did the young love it running around the garden? What was he up to? <laughs> Honestly, absolutely fantastic. Uh, genuinely feel very, very blessed. I'm from a big family and, and family, as you say, is, is very, very important to me. So my dad is one of seven boys and oh, wow. then they all had boys as well. So I'm one of five, um, but my sister came along and she chose to disrupt it all. So uh, poor Sophie Lovett, she's got <laughs> loads of brothers and loads of male cousins. So um, wow. I feel sorry and for her. No but other girls. Sorry, said that again. And no other girls? Not on the Lovett side of the family, no. Flip. Cool. I bet when she was young, finding a boyfriend was hard with all these brothers looking out for her. I, I, I mean, uh, God love my sister, honestly. She's absolutely hilarious and one of the kindest, most generous people you can meet. But yeah, having grown up with four brothers and having an incredibly dark sense of humour, she does. I think she makes it difficult enough for herself without, um, without us getting mm. involved, yeah. Well, I met you. I think I met your dad once in St Albans. When oh, you really? and I, I met you and we were wandering around St Albans somewhere. I can't quite remember in the Maltings, I think it was. Oh, okay, I think okay. Years ago. 
two years ago. Yeah, no, my, my dad's a great man, honestly. He is just uh, one of the hardest working people I know still to this day. He's just there. It, it, it's quite funny, actually, because my dad's an accountant and he's very much old school, suited and booted, you, you know, 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. Uh, there behind the desk tie right like done right up to the top even on a, a beautifully hot day like this whereas there's me I, I swan around all day like as long as I have my phone I'm working so whether I'm mm. emails or calls or you know messaging people uh, but he, he looks at me and he thinks I'm just literally swanning around the whole time but we just obviously <laughs> the natures of our business are incredibly different yeah and I think yeah I think you're right and I think a lot of what you do is networking yeah I know you spent a good number of years working with with Ken Finlayson at FMC and you were relentless you you know the chap you remember him really well but you were a relentless networker back then um, in terms of you know always being out always being seen always connecting the dots and, and putting things together was that is that just because you're interested in people or did was that kind of part of your strategy back then to build a network is it was, was there kind of science behind it definitely no science behind it um i just i think it's my nature that i really really enjoy meeting a broad spectrum of different people and different personality types so it it, it never ever feels like work for me it never Mm. feels like work for me but then over time you realize actually you you know a lot of my business is built on relationships I I say to people Mm. you know um, relationships are my currency certainly for for, for catalysts so yeah no science or thought behind it I just I just genuinely enjoyed it Mm. and you got to the uh, the dizzy heights of sales director FMC and was it that those kind of the skills the confidence the networking that then gave you the confidence to go out and and do your own thing again almost by accident I think I just when I first started um, I really enjoyed it we were driving up and down the country and we were working hard but without realising it we were getting the car at 6am drive up to a small lab in in Bradford and do a day up there and then the next day you were in Phillips. So it was such a diverse, um, you know, range of different companies and people that we're meeting. You used to obviously come and see you guys as well. So, but I, I really enjoyed it. So it never felt like work work to me. And then because I enjoyed it, I felt I was working hard and then I was doing well. And then things just progressed from there, really. And uh, when one person would leave, they would go, oh, do you want to do this job? I go, okay, yeah, I'll give it a while. <laughs> Before you know it, um, yeah, sales director there. But yeah, r- really you, many happy memories there of FMC. But mm. you were globetrotting as well, weren't you? I remember talking to you many years ago where you were like, oh, no, I'm off to China. And yeah, when I get back, I'm then off to Australia or wherever it might be. You, you were literally trotting all over the place. It was... The life of Riley. You were this international jet holiday. setter. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm safe to say it now, now that I'm, you know, four years removed from <laughs> yeah. FMC. Yeah. But honestly, that was genuinely the cushiest job. Don't don't tell Ken. But um, I used honestly, to... Honestly, he won't be, he won't be listening. No, no, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'd be surprised if he listened to his own. But uh, in, uh, <laughs> we used to sell licenses uh, to other countries. 
I'm like, yeah, I think uh, the Chinese would love to run dentistry publication. I, I best go up there. Whilst I'm there, I might as well see the Great Wall, you know. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and it was good. And I, I'll, I'll never forget, honestly, it was one of the, uh, probably in hindsight, one of the most hilarious meetings I ever had. But uh, Kenny Kimberly called me around the house when the previous sales director um, left and said, we'd like you to become sales director. And I was like, nah, no, you're right. I'll leave it. I'm, I'm quite happy doing the international development. They were like, no, we're not asking. We're telling. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, that was my jet, my jet city days are clipped. over. Yeah, yeah, quite literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, ve- I'm, I'm very grateful to them that, like, yeah, I got to see uh, parts of the world. You know, I was involved in setting up dentistry India. Like I said, spent time in uh, China, um, all over the states, all over Europe. I had some incredible trips. Honestly, it was mm. it was amazing, amazing. Mm. But also, you've got to grab those opportunities because there would have been people that, that wouldn't have grabbed it. And I guess there's a certain amount of kind of everything coming together at the right time. You're the right age, you know. You had the right attitude. The opportunity was there, and you took advantage of it. Yeah, which yeah. Is, yeah good for you. Good for you. Because some people perhaps perhaps wouldn't have. Well, I think luck plays a factor, and like you say, right place, right time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You make your own luck. I'm a great believer in you make Yeah, your own I think luck. luck's timing and opportunity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I think it's being prepared. Yeah. I think when things come along, if you're prepared for things and you have the right outlook, when things come along, you take advantage yeah. of them. And lots of people, I think, interpret that as luck. As luck, that's right. But yeah. actually, you know, I think you were ready for when the opportunity landed. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think luck's, uh, luck's an interesting one. I think you, you took advantage of that situation. Well, and I think there's an element of, of uh, positivity in there as well. Mm. Uh, I believe yeah. that you know if you have a positive mindset, then positive things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's that thing I was talking to somebody recently. And I was saying about you know we all should say yes to more things than we do. We talk ourselves out of so much stuff, and we say no or I can't be bothered or not not just yet. Whereas I think if you just keep saying yes to things, you've no idea really where it's going to go. And I know you've got to be careful because you can get poorly lots of different yeah, directions. Over, yes. mm. But exploring things on the first ask makes more sense than shutting things down too quickly because you quite often you don't know you don't know what's behind it there could be something really really interesting behind it you never get to hear about because you said no too quickly if actually i've been telling young dentists the reverse of that actually in recent times (laughs) that you need to say no more because there's so many of them that just every opportunity that comes their way they, they they jump at it and I'm saying no, no, no. You, yeah. you know, there's there's a there's an element, there's a group of people out there that they they never say no to anything, and mm. I think it's oh, there's really- a, and 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 there's a risk that then that becomes desperate. I was yeah. talking to um, Simon Child um, at a recent event, and he said to me that he spent his twenties saying yes to everything, um, and now he's in his thirties. He say no to most things because he's worked out what's important to him what's his focus and where he needs to apply himself um but he said that you know by exploring things early on helped him but you're right you don't want to you know there's a, there's a balance and i think uh, the art is just being aware that there are opportunities out there and what to say yes to and what to say no to um so that you you don't you don't miss mm. out on something so you did your your time with fmc that sort of sounds like you were in prison. It's, yeah, it was a good yeah. experience. Then you were it was, it was, for good behaviour. good time. And then you <laughs> went on to um, to set up Catalyst, uh, Catalyst Sales and Marketing. So talk us through the, how did that come about and what are the services that you offer offer to dentists through your, your enterprise? And was it quite worrying when you started up and thinking, oh my goodness, 
<laughs> I'm no longer employed. <laughs> yeah, people always say that to me about, wow, you were brave to leave what was a, a good role and, and, and set up your own thing. But I, I don't, if I'm brutally honest, I always felt like if this doesn't work out, I'm, I'm sure with the cachet that I built up over the 10 years in dentistry, that I, I could go and work somewhere else in dentistry. So it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a risk, but it never really, really felt like that. So the, the genesis of the genesis of it was, um, I was due to have a sabbatical and I was going, going to go to Japan. Um, and, but I had a bit of an epiphany after 10 years and I was like, okay, I've been here for 10 years. What's my next 10 years going to, to look like? And it's interesting when you look back four years ago, I think at FMC, we were really like heavily reliant on selling print advertising and credit where credit's due. Uh, and I and I don't know whether I was the catalyst for it happening, but they've done a, a really, really good job of, of shifting their media more towards the digital field. Uh, but at yeah. the time, I was a bit nervous that I was going to be approaching 40, still driving up and down the country and saying, Andy, Chris, will you buy this half page advert, please, in, in dentistry <laughs> publication? Um, so I, I felt, yeah, you know, I've always thought I, I'd like to give my own thing a crack. So Ken and I met and uh, we went for dinner and I just said to him, you know, thanks very much for all the opportunities, but I'm going to leave. And he said, uh, what are you going to do? And I, I didn't really know at the time, um, but I thought there was a gap in the market there for um, to do some more digital things and to offer sales support to companies. Um, and obviously, I, and you'll, you, you will probably have experienced it as well, what you start out with isn't necessarily how it ends up. No. And where I noticed there was a real gap in the market was for typically international companies looking to break into the UK market and they used to use it as a stepping stone for the rest of Europe, obviously, uh, particularly American companies I'm working with. Um, and obviously, they they love uh, the UK, you know, it's the same language, and they use it as a stepping stone to the rest of Europe. And I was saying to dental companies in America when I was going to, you know, Chicago meetings and New York dental show, rather than, if you were looking at those markets, rather than setting up from scratch, you know, full-time staff, full-time offices, all the legal loopholes that we have to jump through, rather than doing that, use me as a sales and marketing hub. And you can rely on me and my 10 years worth of experience and contacts. I can introduce you, for example, to key opinion leaders, to the big corporate groups. And I think I can make a quicker change for you and you can have a quicker impact on the market and it'll be far more cost-effective as well. So that's the largest of, of, of what I do. That's that's the main crux of my business, is consultancy, if you like, for the international dental companies looking mm. to break into the UK. Yeah, which actually you can see there's real value in that mm, because yeah. it also gives the opportunity to, to try before you buy. Well, yeah, you don't have to invest too heavily. Okay, sure, they're gonna, you're going to charge them a fee, which is very fair mm. and reasonable, but there's no infrastructure that goes with it. You know, you can you can introduce them. And if after, you know, six, nine, 12, 18 months, they say, right, we really now mm. see an opportunity and they decide to set up an office, then that's great. Your your job's worked. Absolutely. But also, if, if they choose not to, it's worked as well. 
because they've been able to test the market yeah, for a fraction of the yeah. cost as it would have been in terms of employing people and setting up offices and everything else. And does that still work with Brexit, Joe, or is that sort of disappeared or is that business still there or just harder to get them into Europe? Uh, no, it's, it's still working. It's, it's still working. In all honesty, it hasn't had much of an impact at all, oh, if any. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, cool. Well, that's good mm. to hear. Yeah, absolutely. That is good absolutely. to hear. And, the, and one other thing you did that, that I loved was during lockdown, you did this Fast Tracking Your Future initiative, um, which was basically you giving your time in exchange for a charity donation where people could book a, a one-hour Zoom with you and you talk them through you know, your experience of dentistry, what the dental landscape looks like, answer their questions. And I think you were probably bowled over yourself with how many people signed up for it. I think you did something like... Was it 50 or 60 Zooms in a week or whatever it was? Well, I'm not sure what the number was. It was a ridiculous number. Yeah. Um, and you've you've done it again. So talk us through kind of how that came about. And it's a it's an incredibly generous thing to do, to give such an amount of your time um, to support the young end of the profession, but also with the charity link as well. Um, oh, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, um, it was Amit Patel. Actually, I don't know if you know Amit, the specialist periodontist mm. up in Birmingham. I was watching all these people do these amazing things throughout COVID, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'd like to really do something. And uh, but yeah, but I'm, you know, fairly talentless, useless. And then he was like, "You don't understand, Joe, the knowledge that you have. There's lots of people out there that would be interested to hear about that." And um, it just so happened there were lots of people that were really keen to find out about how to get published about how to enter awards, what courses there were out there, what commercial opportunities there were. And it just seemed to snowball. But I I genuinely say this, I think I got just as much out of it as they did because (laughs) firstly, it enabled me to expand my network and meet new people Mm. and learn new things. It was a great data gathering uh, exercise because you're learning about young people, you know, how are they absorbing their information as far as products and services are concerned. But also I met some incredible people, like lots of people who I would consider, you know, great, great friends who I've gone on to socialize with and work with in different capacities as well. So it's, uh, I've done it now for the last three years. I think you do about a hundred every May. And uh, yeah, genuinely though, by the end of May, I'm so sick to death of my own voice. But I think but I think it's a really good thing, and it's it's interesting what you're saying. I hadn't thought about the the byproduct and the side it's benefit sort of for you as well, isn't it? Yeah, but that market research, that intel gathering for you to get into the heads of younger dentists mm, in to terms find out what of the things that are important are, to them, their drivers are. It's quite useful. Yeah, and, and and it's interesting. Each year, there's been almost a different reoccurring theme. So a lot of the time, people are saying, "Do I have to be on social media?" Um, and particularly in COVID times, there were lots of people who were suffering from, you know, uh, issues of imposter syndrome or, or, or burnout, depression, which is, you know, I'm not a qualified uh, psychotherapist, so you have to be really careful with those conversations. Mm-hmm. But it's just really interesting to hear some of the reoccurring themes about what's happening among young dental professionals. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. And you've recently kicked off something new again. And, and there's a recurring theme here as well, isn't there? It's like you get 
not you don't get bored quickly but you're constantly working on the next thing that's that's my take on you there's always a a new thing in the pot i know we've had conversations over the years and you go, i've got i've got an idea i've got an idea and the ideas keep coming but but this one which is the dental debate um that you're doing later on this year talk us through that that's quite an interesting concept i don't think it's been done before has it I, there's definitely been loads of panels uh, over the years, but we wanted to do something a bit different. So um, I'm doing it with a, a couple of guys from a group called Sustainable Clinics. And honestly, I met these guys. In fact, actually, I met Mehilo Presti through the Fast Tracking Your Future scheme. And we were speaking and I think he was drinking a glass of wine at the time. And if you meet Mehi, he's not your conventional dentist whatsoever. He's like a super cool guy. You know, one of these beautiful souls. They go to Burning Man every year. Like he's the antithesis <laughs> of me, right? He's super cool. Like his shirt's unbuttoned. He's got the, the chains and the rings and everything like that. He, he, he's just a dude, right? If you meet this guy, he's an absolute dude. So he said to me, I want you to come and meet my business partner, Bruno, from Sustainable Clinics. And again, Bruno is an equally fascinating guy, uh, quite nauseating, the pair of them, if I'm being honest, because they're so handsome and they're so talented <laughs> that you want to hate them, <laughs> but you, you can't, can't, but not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard the, said, the same said about you two before, actually, but uh, we, won't, we won't go into that. So um, you might have to go a long way to find people saying that about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. It was it was after a few drinks, um, but no. Um, so, oh, I know the event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Less said about that, the better. Um, uh, so Mays reached out to me, and he's like, "We want to, we want to do something. Can you come and meet me and my uh, business partner Bruno from Sustainable Clinics?" And Bruno, fascinating character, came over here from Brazil, seventeen years old collecting glasses. Now he has nine businesses, including, you know, a record label. He pretty much owns half of Hackney Wick. It's incredible. He's got a pizza restaurant. He's just a really, really impressive guy. Now, what these guys are doing is they are actually building dental practices inside of shipping containers, totally yeah. powered by the earth. And then their plan is to rehouse them around the world in areas of high oral health need. So immediately I'm like, wow, these guys are visionaries. I have to work with them. And Bruno has this amazing venue in Hackney Wick called Number 90 Bar and Restaurant. It's on the canal. There's a boat there. They have concerts next door and everything. And I was just, I had this vision about, we can do something incredible here. We can do something incredible together. So we came up with this idea of this dental debate and it is, it's taking components of a lot of what else I do as well. So from the Fast Tracking Your Future calls, it was like, let's discuss some of the most contentious subjects facing dentists mm. today. But let's do things a little bit differently, whereby we want to have a live audience anticipation uh, participation so we're going to have voting. So let's say, for example, we're going to have panelists and, you know, we've got international panelists from all around the world, some of the biggest names out there. Uh, they will discuss a topic, let's say, to social media, but then there will be questions on social media or around that subject where the audience will be able to get vote on and it will actually navigate the conversation throughout the course of the evening. Hmm, that's that's cool. So there's loads of people doing great things out there, you know, with podcasts and and with articles. 
Well, we just wanted to really, really move the needle by having a big night. We're going to get all the media there. There's already a great, great crowd of people coming and, and just really kind of make a change in terms of put it at the forefront of people's minds about some of these difficult subjects that we're going through as well. So, yeah. Mm, mm. And then after that, we're going to have a huge party. I was just about to say, if 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 Joe Lovett was involved, I'd be very disappointed if there wasn't something going on drinks, there, yeah. dancing, and music. Yeah, and and like I say, the venue—it's just like nothing. You know, forget the NEC, forget the XL Centre. It's you know, a really really cool venue. I'm I, I can't wait for it. And um, with the very very gracious um, sponsorship of Real Good Dental and Pearl AI. Um, we've been able to a make it uh, a super affordable event for the whole dental team, and secondly, and this is either going to go one way or another, it's actually free drink all night. Oh, there you go. and because it's a private party, there's no closing time. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can talk about some real, real burning issues. But also, I want people to come, network, meet other great like-minded people, but also have a great night as well. So, yeah, I I, I genuinely can't wait. No, it should be good. It should be good. And if you could give us perhaps the uh, link where people can find out more about it, we'll put it in the show notes so that when people are listening to this podcast, because this will go out before the event, because the event's in the middle end of September, is that right? 23rd of September, yeah, Yeah. in in, in Hackney Week, London. Yeah, so we'll put the um, like I say if you can let us have the link, we'll drop that in the uh, in the show notes. And gen- be, gentlemen, I really appreciate that. I would love it if you two would come along as my VIP guests. You guys have always uh, been very very supportive uh, to me over the years. So, and it's going to be a great night. So, why should you not be involved? Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you a video from holiday. I'll send you a message. Oh, you can count <laughs> me in. I'll be there. Yeah, so oh, Chris will go on our behalf. Oh, okay. no, I'm on, I'm on holiday. Unfortunately, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm taking a family break. So, uh, but it's going to be a great night. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, well, I like the idea of uh, the debate would be quite interesting. Be quite interesting in the is the drink before the questions or after the questions? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think there may be some during. So well, that would be quite and, funny. And, and, and I've deli- and they, uh, deliberately and got Joe, some content. Anonymous? Are they anonymous questions? Um, so is it like that? What was that thing we used that we used some app where oh, yeah, people we could sit in the audience and ask questions that would come up on the screen, but you wouldn't know who the question was? So again, a slight innovation. The uh, Everybody, when they sign up for their ticket, they can put down questions or they can put down topics that they'd like to discuss. So we want to uh, gauge people's right. thoughts. Oh, I see. Yeah, both cool. pre, during and post the event as yeah. well to see whether the debate debate has actually altered their mindset or their thinking or their beliefs. So, yeah. It's, uh, mm. It'd be really interesting, won't it, to see what the people come with and then those questions are talked about and then whether that spur, spur, you know, spurs other questions yeah. and then what the outcome of that, but whether those... Yeah, that would be f- quite fascinating. Actually. Yeah. So there's probably some good old data that's going to be knocking yeah. around out of that, I'd have thought. I'm sorry so you can't make it, Andy. But uh, we, no, we want to do this again. We want to take this around the world. So, like I say, I'm working with two big visionaries. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely no, get to the future good. ones. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really good. So, with the kind of the dental debate concept and what you're developing there and the fast track your future, 
you've obviously got great insights in terms of the future health of dentistry and where it's going and what it's looked like. What What's your view on on where's, where's dentistry going? What are the big things that are coming down the line that we might not be aware of? Well, I'm, I'm sure you guys are aware of it, but definitely there's going to be a growth in corporate dentistry uh, and and the rise of the, of the mini corporates. Uh, I've just got back from Marbella um, with Dental Forum out there, and it's really interesting. You know, th- these guys have, you know, all huge plans to acquire more practices. So I think when I started in dentistry 14 years ago, the percentage of corporately owned practices was around about 8%. Now I believe it's closer to 26%. So it's going to go further that way. So that's definitely going to have an impact. Um, I also think technology will, will have an impact. Uh, it's going to potentially level up general dentistry. There'll obviously still be a place for general dentistry. So I think it's really, really key and important for young dental professionals coming up now that you work just as much on the softer side of things, the business side of things, as well as the mm. clinical side of things. You know, things like patient communication and ethical sales and how you market yourself they're going to be really, really important heading forward in dentistry, I believe. Mm. Mm. And, and, and I agree with you. I think one of the challenges, and, and this is probably something that um, possibly needs to be best explained to the, the dentist within the profession, is the investment in those skills. Because when you're at dental school, all the training is around clinical skills so that you come out as a competent clinical you know, dental mm. technician. Technically, you're good at what yes. you do. But trying to get people to understand the importance of understanding um, marketing or how to manage people well or how to devise a strategy or how do you get your team behind your vision. Those sorts of things don't have an immediate impact, but the long-term impact of those is enormous. But I think there is a... I think there's probably a shift in density needed where people invest in their non-clinical training to the extent that they invest in their clinical training. And I'm not sure we're there yet. Uh, But they will get there, honestly, of the 100 people that I spoke to this May, the younger dental professionals, like genuinely blown away. You know, these guys, 26, 27 years old, average age, I would say, are just some of the things that they're doing, uh, how conscientious they are, um, how ambitious they are, how caring and kind they are, the things that they're doing in the community. Just, I'm so buoyant about the future dentistry and when i think back to when i was 26 27 i literally lived off of toasted cheese and ham sandwiches and just played place i was a slob and but yeah so seeing these people it, it leaves me feeling really really genuinely confident about the future of dentistry <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, we were all slobs yeah toasted cheese sandwich i'm thinking I did say, you have ham and um and uh, mustard that's yeah. all i think yeah i mean all the time, Chris. I'm not talking about like, like uh, two oh, or three okay. meals a day. That was your meal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a meal of choice. <laughs> you, you, from, from, from the things you've said today, you're obviously massive on collaboration. You love bringing parties together and, and kind of you know getting a different outcome as a result of people coming together. What What's kind of your, your driving force? What's your formula for the right fit when you try and put people together whether it's a you know a a young dentist and they might have key opinion leader potential or you've got an overseas company in america and you've got something in the uk what what are those ingredients that go into that pot that you think make make for good partnerships well i just think 
positivity is obviously a, a massive factor. I don't think that I have many talents myself, but the one thing that talent I do possess is seeing talent in others. So I've spoken to a couple of people in, in previous days and I've genuinely come off the phone, some young dentists, and just been excited, like, like these guys are gonna make a change within our sector. And I think you'd be great speaking to them because that's a company that's gonna be making a change. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and I have an abundance mentality. I think the more collaborations we do the, for, for the better. Uh, I just, I really believe in bringing great people together. And, and I, mm. I think by and large dentistry is full of great people. Obviously you get the odd knobhead slip through the net, but that, I'm sure that happens <laughs> in every single industry. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think by virtue of dentistry being supported by lots of small independent companies, I think we all do better by collaborating, working together. I think it's hard just to kind of you know yeah, cover definitely. out all, all all those bases. So through your career, then, what's the thing that you've worked out that most people haven't got an answer to? Oh, can you repeat that question? What, what's the <laughs> what's the one thing that you've worked out that you've got an answer to that most people don't know? That's put you on the spot, isn't it? Yeah, it really has. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, I tell you one thing that that kept coming up was I gave a, a lecture a few weeks ago at Leeds Dental School, which was yeah uh, a really monumental moment for me because I, I studied at Leeds. So to go back there was re- really really proud moment. So very grateful to them for inviting me back. And I always said in my presentation, I believe in in the importance of networking. And then a few people have said to me in recent times, we hear you on podcasts and we we were there at presentation. We hear you saying to people, you've got to network, you've got to network. But how do you network? And it really got me thinking as somebody from a big family, somebody who by their very nature is a gregarious, confident person, is something that comes naturally to me. But I didn't Mm. appreciate that that doesn't necessarily come naturally to other people. So lots of people were saying, I understand I have to network and build relationships and that will help me in my career. But what are the specifics that I need to do? Yeah, interesting. Mm. That's interesting. I think it's also about meaningful relationships because I think so often people, they, they build relationships, but there's no, there's no substance to it. They just know lots of people. But it's it's having but don't they it's it's having that art of being able to um, truly develop relationships where there's some value some ongoing value that that sits in it and that's kind of that that stage on from just networking and end up with just back in the day you end up with lots of business cards which is yeah, of no use at all cards, you need to no you need anyone. to know the people that go on that what goes on behind it well the modern day equivalent is having loads of Instagram followers. So yeah. it's great having loads of yeah. Instagram followers, but what's the engagement? Do you know who's mm. following you? Are you talking to them? You know, why are they following you? For example, I think mm. yeah. Among the younger dentists coming through, is that is that still um, a big thing for them? Is social media, Instagram, their profile, how they're perceived? Are we have we kind of turned the corner yet on that? No, quite honestly, probably not what you want mm. to hear. It, no, no, it, not it, at all. It, and it's more just out of interest because, like I say, I think the insights you're getting from from people who are just coming into the profession is it's really valuable. Yeah, uh, young people are glued to their phones. It's just a, mm. a, 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 a fact. 
So social media will, or I mean, whether it's the TikTok platform, whether it's Instagram platform, I think the the platforms will change over time, but it's going to be a really important component of dental lives going forward. It's interesting. I've had a few people probably closer to my age in recent times saying, life is great. I've got brilliant practice, brilliant mentor, um, brilliant patients, love the dentistry that I'm doing. Home life is brilliant. But I have this creeping FOMO about social media. Am I missing out by not being on it? And I always say to those people, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There are lots of people who are on social media and are very prevalent on social media who would swap places with you in a heartbeat. So it's not the be all and end all social media, but it's definitely a component. And I and I think to deny that, um, we'd just be kidding ourselves. And, and, and that's why at the dental debate, we are talking about social media because every single person on every single call I have raises it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think it's I think you're right. I think you need to understand why you're using social media. I think if you use it as a distribution method for messages, which are business related, personally, I find it really valuable. I find it a great tool. Um, but you don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of it purely just being um, for, for likes and a persona. I think if there's a if there's an underlying message as to why you're doing things, because there's a there's a business um, using it as a business tool. I think there's power in it, but I think there's a real risk that it just consumes oh, extraordinary amounts of your time. You have to have a, a really mature relationship with social media and you have to find your level of how it works for you in a positive way. If it's having a negative impact, you're looking at people's holiday photos and you're getting jealous or FOMO, I think that's where you have to be uh, mature and have the presence of mind to walk away from it for a time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very true. So... Your 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 episode is 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 going out under the title "Building a Tribe." Oh, really? Because I think, uh, yeah. I, well, I think that's what you've done. I I think that the way you've gone about building your your network, your your relationships, and your business, that's what you've done. Because I think where you pull like minded people together, that's effectively what you get. You get a tribe of people. And it was that was 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 that conscious? Are you are you surprised that's the way you're perceived? Uh, I don't know. I wish you'd, uh, you told me that title beforehand. I would have done this podcast with my shirt off and some wall paint on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, it's just something that's happened organically, I think. And uh, mm. I, I just, like I said, I, I've met so many great people and bring them together and then they get on with each other. And it's it just sort of snowballs and other people will think, oh, you know, that they look like a fun uh, group and yeah I, th- I think it's just something again that's happened organically it's not something like I want to get a group of people together it's just mm. happened naturally mm. so what how would you define success what does success look like for you for me health and happiness yeah, it... mm. I, uh, I've, I've never been one who has thought a lot about um, finance or you know material goods and in in a in a weird kind of way i think i was doing with my business um a lot of what people realized throughout covid and built something that you believe in that you love and that you enjoy but also have that balance of 
being able to meet a friend for lunch or mm. being able to go to the, the gym at a certain time of the of the day so yeah i think um yeah health and happiness and and the health and happiness of my friends and family that's the be all and end all quite frankly mm. and i think in the work that you do that's a great message to preach as well because you you're right i think it's very easy to end up just um going through the emotions um the treadmill of life mm. um, and i know lots of dentists in particular feel that when they're tied in a surgery that life can be a bit of a treadmill um, sure. And you kind of feel that you're kind of turning up and just treating patients mm. and not a lot else is going on. So that that message of health and happiness and enjoy what you're doing is really powerful. I, I speak to a lot, uh, a lot of them who are in that hamster wheel of, of, of not enjoying things. And I have to be very, very conscious uh, because, you know, being a white male, cisgender, middle class, you know, I'm afforded opportunity to make change. But I always try and say to people, you know, if you're not happy, make a change. And I appreciate that it's easier said than done. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really believe that if, you, if you're if you unhappy or your health is deteriorating, you should do everything within your power to try and make a change for the positive. Mm-hmm. And I guess also ideally with lots yeah, of the younger true. ones, you give them the tools and the tips and the, the experience of other people so they don't find themselves in, in that position to start with. Because there's no diet that that well-being and mindfulness. You know, we were speaking to Marwat Kwaja um, about it. And, oh, yeah, uh, uh, amazing! And I think her whole approach of of giving people tools um, to become resilient and not end up kind of going down those rabbit holes. That's where ideally we want to get to. So mm. you you don't have to put in place strategies to recover. You just yeah, you just live a good life. Exactly. And and again, that's a lot of what I've done. And Maruk has been fantastic with me. So through my Fast Tracking Your Future calls, there's a lot of stuff whereby I'm out of my depth and I say, mm. okay, I'm not qualified to talk to you about this. However, I would like to introduce you to somebody like Maruk. Or, and there's been yeah. so many people within dent- dent- dentistry who have reached out to people that I've introduced them to mm. that have perhaps been going through difficult ta- times mm. and they've helped them as well. So mm. yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's honestly a great community that we've got at the moment. I really believe in it. Yeah, I think it is. And I think like you say, in any market, there's going to be knobheads, but they are few and far between in dentistry. Yeah. That, that was your word, not mine. No, 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 no. I stand by I don't, it. I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if you remember it, but you did use it. Um, no, no, no. I stand by it. <laughs> But but they are few and far between. I, I agree. I think as a community, um, the overwhelming majority of people in dentistry are out to help one yeah, another. They definitely. are supportive. Um, and they do it quietly as well. They do it quietly. Yes. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. No, you're right. There's a there's a lot of good stuff that you, you never on. hear about that goes on behind the scenes. Doesn't appear on social media again. Look how great I am. Yes. Anyway. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The picture of the person <laughs> crouching down, putting a penny in the Just box. very, very right. quickly, I, I spoke to a girl to two nights ago and she won at her university overall student so wow. she, she won in healthcare for being a dentist but then she won overall student at 40,000 students and she kept it to herself didn't put it on social media or anything like that I, I was just so blown away by that I thought it was really impressive mm. oh and, and it's funny because though when you hear things like that those are the little chinks that kind of just 
make certain people think right so what's important i don't need someone else's yeah. adoration yeah exactly yeah i, I, I don't necessarily need Definitely. that so so yeah so we've, we we always wrap up in the same way joe we always ask the guests the same two questions so we're going to put you on the spot dun, dun, dun. so our first question we have for you is if you could be a fly on the wall with someone in a certain situation when would that be and who, who would be in the room i thought about this and i've listened to some of your other podcasts and everybody always says really profound things. And I was just Yeah, like, yours is going to be to do with football, isn't it? No, it's not. I am. <laughs> hey, come on. You're doing me a disservice. I'm not that much of a knuckle-dragging oik. Um, <laughs> it's uh, far less impressive than that. You know KFC, right? Yeah. You know it's delicious. Yeah. We're all in agreement here? We are, we are, we are okay, in agreement. Yeah, okay. we are, I'm just interested in where this is going. Yeah, yeah, same way. <laughs> he, he wants to be the person who's taken that order who manages to not put your chips in it. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would like to be a fly on the wall when Colonel Sanders came up with the 11 secret herbs and spices. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'd if like he ever know. thought it would still be here in years to come. Exactly. And do you reckon, and do you reckon there was a bit of a... Of a eureka moment when he put in that final little bit of garlic salt or whatever it is he was like oh i've hit it this is it uh, this is it i'm i'm sure probably having tasted it like six of the 11 are probably more salt let's just sling some more in <laughs> i like to think there was no science behind it like yeah let's just throw some yeah. more of that in and it was like wow that's delicious and all, i have no intention of like making it at home i just uh, think it would be like a cool bother. thing to know like maybe like you know Chatting up girls at the bars, you know, you know what the uh, 11 secret herbs and spices are. I'm sure you've got better lines than that, Joe. Is it kept in a locked cupboard somewhere? Is it Pepsi or something? The, 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 whatever it is, the ingredients for Coca-Cola is only known by one person or something. I know there's a cute story that in America they have this sweet called a Tootsie Roll. Yes. Which is a brown, chewy sweet. And um, I think whether it's legend, folklore or truth, I'm not entirely sure. But apparently what they do is um, every time they make a batch of Tootsie Roll, they take a piece of the batch before and put it into the new batch. And the reason for it being is that there's always a bit of the original Tootsie Roll that was ever made in every Tootsie Roll that's made because I take a piece from the uh, previous batch and put it into the current batch so it's it's kind of a continuum it's always it's always got something in there but we to be honest Joe I, I would be surprised if we get anybody else cite so. Colonel Sanders <laughs> in there in there, there. I, I'm now mildly worried because of my follow up question so my follow up question is if you could meet anyone <laughs> In a white suit, <laughs> with a long beard and a red bow tie. Know, oh, does he have a hat? No, he doesn't have a hat. Right, so we're going to see if we can now break away from fast food. If you could meet uh, anyone, don't who, worry, it's not Colonel like Sanders or Ronald McDonald. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Ronald. Yeah. Do, you, do you know the Hamburglar though? No, 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 no. <laughs> like, it's Barry Burger King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm a huge. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a huge NBA fan. Oh, right, no. Yeah, yeah. And um, I actually like NBA more than I like football. Like, if you were to ask me if I'd rather watch a football game or an NBA game, it's NBA. So, I got into NBA around about the turn of the millennium with the Shaq and Kobe days. So, I was a little bit after the Michael Jordan era. Mm. 
okay. I assume you've seen The Last Dance, though. Exactly. And um, so that was on during COVID. And, and they, and they kind yeah. of, I don't know if you remember, but they drip fed the episodes. So now with like uh, Prime or Netflix, they just dump all 10 episodes of a series yeah. on. So, but they did that old school. They only released two a week. And at the time, obviously, we were in lockdown. We couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't have any fun. I was living with a racist and, uh, you know, a horrible chihuahua that used to attack me. Story for another day. Won't go into it. So I used to really, really look forward to The Last Dance every week. And because it was like so many people were watching it, I got loads of text messages from people who knew I was a massive NBA fan, like coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, are you watching The Last Dance? It's amazing. But I've heard so many stories about uh, Michael Jordan outside of that. And apparently he just has the most unbelievable presence when he enters the room. Obviously he's like a huge dude. He's like six foot six, you know, a card from the gods athlete. But apparently he has this aura about him where just like whatever room he walks into, all the energy is there. I think I'd just love to experience that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. Uh-huh. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see it when it came out because I watched it kind of back to back. But a fascinating character. Oh, dude. You know, the- phenomenal in terms of what he expects from people and what he'll do himself. And if he had a pair of his... Uh- his shoes they sold didn't they sell some ridiculous oh, million yeah. dollars or yeah. something for a pair of his shoes yeah. I think my favourite Michael Jordan uh, story was when they had the dream team in Barcelona uh, and they just absolutely obliterated everybody you know like uh, uh, the opposition players were asking them for autographs at half time and the shirts and yeah. things well apparently he lost to another player there in table tennis and unbeknownst to everybody else he was absolutely raging raging about it and him being the ultra competitor what he did was the following summer so 1993 he invited the dream team around his house for a reunion uh but little did they know it was they said it was gonna be a barbecue and you know a celebration of the 